Welcome to another edition of the Raptors Pod Table Podcast. We just watched a beatdown. Game one of the Eastern Conference semifinals, 112-94. The Celtics victorious over the Toronto Raptors. Carlin Gay alongside the great and talented Ashley Dawkins. Uh, and Ash, um, I don't know what we could say about this game that I don't think everybody else in the world is saying. It wasn't, a, it wasn't much of a game. It was, uh, it was a beatdown. I didn't love it. For me, for Raptors fans, didn't love it. <laughs> like not getting a positive Yelp review, if that's right. what's being asked of me. Um, I mean, a little bit out of character for this Toronto team to come out um, a little bit lifeless, uh, a little bit out of sorts. There seemed to be a sharpness missing that we haven't seen so far in the bubble. There seemed to be um, some cohesion issues. And then, of course, they were not knocking down any shots contested or otherwise, specifically from behind the three-point arc. So when you kind of add that up together against an opponent who looked like they hadn't skipped a beat at all, um, yeah, that's when you get a wire-to-wire smackdown. Yeah, this good. Yeah, it just wasn't great. (laughs) It didn't feel nice inside, you know? Not at all. Uh, this was this felt to me like a combination of the perfect storm of how to get blown out in a basketball game. The Celtics okay. couldn't miss a shot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out with energy and intensity. The Raptors did not. The Raptors turned the ball over a ton, especially to start the game. Obviously, the mm-hmm. final stat sheet doesn't show as much as they've done. But in the first quarter alone, they had six turnovers, 11 fouls. Um, the Celtics were in the penalty with like five minutes remaining in the first quarter. And they were already shooting hot. So you're just adding points onto the total. You add, you finish a quarter with one of the great defensive teams in the league, in the Raptors, allowing the Boston Celtics 39 points in that first period. And then you're going to have to try and dig your way out of that. The Raptors only won one quarter. That was the third. They won it by two points. Uh, And that was the quarter that I felt (laughs) that the Celtics were were trying to give it away to the Raptors. And they just never, as you said, they just never seemed to gel, never seemed to click. They just weren't there today. Um, yeah, I just thought there was a lot of things that were happening that were out of sorts, right? So, you know, they, for whatever reason, Fred Van Vliet was not being as assertive as I would have liked him to. Um, he's handling the ball to start a lot of the half court sets and he's not really aggressively initiating the offense, particularly when they're trying to hide the Celtics. That is, they're trying to hide Kemba Kemba Walker on him for the majority of the game. Mm -hmm. It's like, listen, you have to understand that Kemba is the biggest liability for the Celtics on defense right he's the one that's going to be able you're going to be able to exploit him on the offense at if you're the offense excuse me so I didn't like the fact that Fred wasn't being more assertive and then you have Pascal OG and Obi, who are looking like they're trying to maybe post up a little bit earlier on in the game but you have to understand that if someone like Marcus Smart is defending you in the paint like he's an actual great defender in the post for the Celtics. So it's not going to be that easy. Um, And so I think the Raptors, just generally speaking, went away from things that had worked before or the Celtics, to give them credit, they were able to minimize the opportunity for the Toronto Raptors. Like if Serge Ibaka is taking five three-point shots from the top of the arc, I'm good with that. If you guys want to win that way, that's fine. Um, even when Marc Gasol came on and they started doing a, two, a big man set with Serge and Mark, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, why are we settling for three-point shots from the arc from Mark and Serge taking the ball out of the hands of the three-point shooters that we tend to rely on a little bit more in Fred Van Vliet, Kyle Lowry, even Norman Powell to a certain extent? Um, it just seemed that the Celtics were able to dictate what the Raptors were going to do as opposed to the Raptors kind of inf- enforcing or not enforcing. What is it? Asserting their will? No. What's the phrase I'm looking for? Uh, imposing, <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? When you something your will, imposing their imposing, will. Yeah. yeah. Um, instead of being able to impose their will. And so, um, you know, that was a little bit disappointing. Like, you have a two big band set, which was one of the adjustments that Nick Nurse made mid game. And then you don't try and bang them inside and just grab the life away from them by just, you know, absolutely shoving it down their throats. The rebounding got better when that happened. But otherwise, they weren't necessarily able to make it count um, in terms of points. It didn't to show up on the score sheet. And even in transition, Carlin, you tell me, the Raptors had a lot of transition opportunities. Well, not a lot, but they had enough. Um, and they weren't able to capitalize on any of it. People just looking unsure. Am I headmanning the ball? Am I going to the bucket? No, I'm turning it over, actually. Okay, cool. Back the other way for the Celtics. Yeah, Kyle Lowry had an, a, a poor transition turnover in that third quarter where the Raptors were starting to get back into the game. And mm-hmm. Raptor fans were like, all right, here we go. We, we finally have some momentum. He jumped in the air. He was expecting his two other teammates to be behind him. Just threw the ball midcourt. It bounces around, and all of a sudden, you know, a Celtic comes, picks yeah. it up, and it's a bucket. And that's the, the other thing way. too. The Celtics were relentless. Yeah. Right. The Raptors would force a turnover, or they would they would get a steal. And all right, cool. Let's go in transition. We know they love to run the floor, but then the Celtics are just dogged. They're coming from behind. They're tipping the ball. They're stealing it back and going the other way and banging a three on the other end. Um, they were relentless with that. So Toronto seemingly was doing a nice leisurely, you know, breaststroke in a wave pool or something along those lines. And the and the Celtics were like extreme water skiing hitting jumps <laughs> making tricks and just doing the damn thing and Toronto just was like out for a tan yeah, like I didn't a, love it it was a gold medal performance if you want to use the, <laughs> the uh, waterworks uh, or water sports analogy yes. there for the Boston Celtics um okay that's the basketball side of things and by the way like the Celtics as you said they, they did a great job in transition the Raptors who led the league in fast break or are at the top of the league at fast break points only had seven in this game after, you know, averaging 18 and a half against the Brooklyn Nets. That didn't happen today. They, the Celtics who are a smaller team out rebounded the Raptors plus 10. That didn't happen for them today. Um, yeah. The stat sheet does is not kind for Toronto mm-hmm. at all. They led by, they were down by as many as 24. Uh, you know, the Celtics got 15 points off turnovers. It was, it was just not a good look for the Toronto Raptors. Yeah. At one point, it was like three of 25 threes or something along those lines. Yeah. And I'm just like, that's not a stat line. That's a date on the calendar. That <laughs> is something that I write on a form at a doctor's office, five slash 23. Give me a break. Yeah, it wasn't, wasn't <laughs> the greatest of efforts for the Toronto Raptors. Now, that's the basketball side of things. Yes. I do want to talk about the non-basketball side of things. I do think that that had a little bit of play with what happened, what we saw happen. Now, we, we can kill them for whatever happened between the lines as much as we want. But sure. they're still human beings at the end of the day. And mm-hmm. the last three days has been heavy, not only on the Raptors, but the entire league. And I feel, to me, the Raptors who really started the conversation at the beginning of this, so obviously the Milwaukee Bucks ultimately really sparked the match that you know set the entire sporting world ablaze, so to speak. Uh, but it was the Raptors and the Celtics that were going back and forth way before um, whether or not they wanted to continue, whether or not they wanted to play this game one. Um, and that was three days ago for, so for them to now sit and dwell with their thoughts, guys who are in a bubble, who can't get to their family, 
who may feel like they want to be close to their family. Um, so yes, they didn't play well um, on the on the basketball court at all. The stats will tell you that. We don't have to sit here and tell you that at all. But I think that there is something to do with the mental aspects of it of, of going into the game, um, not really being all there. And what I mean by that is basketball just wasn't important. It seemed like um, over the last. 72 hours i want to say and i think that carried into game one for this toronto raptor team they played uh like they had their minds somewhere else and to win a championship you can't have that seeing as they have already won a championship that could be a possibility that maybe they're already thinking about you know other things otherwise but uh i i honestly think that there was one foot on the basketball field court rather and one foot on the sideline thinking about what's happening in the world no doubt. I mean, how could you not be? Like, I don't know. I don't even know if it's reasonable to suggest that anyone was fully in this game, mm-hmm. even for the fans, right? If you're active on Twitter while you're watching the game, which I think a lot of us are if we're under a certain age, um, it, 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 there was a, a complete bleed in the entire game, right? Everyone's right. talking about a lot of different things, even on the broadcast. They're constantly bringing up the social issues. They're talking about the player strike. They're talking about the demands they made to the league and the owners. Um, so it was intertwined in this game, and I foresee it being intertwined for the duration of this postseason. So I am glad you brought it up because it is a caveat that you do have to consider as this all goes along. And there are some formidable young men in this league, but specifically the Toronto Raptors, as you mentioned, Norman Powell, Fred Van Vliet, Pascal Siakam, Nick Nurse, they've all been very, very vocal about everything that happened. Serge Ibaka as well. And guess what? When you're the ones who broach the topic and you start this conversation, every single person wants a piece of you because they want it for their story. And listen, it's a double-edged sword because, of course, this is the message that you're trying to get out and it's working. You have traction. You have the ear of the world, the sporting world, as well as the news world. This crossed platforms, right? This wasn't just about basketball fans. This was about every single sports fan, WNBA, Major League Soccer, Major League Baseball, NHL eventually. Every single person was in the mix on this. Then it's a news story as well. And so you can't escape from it. But because the message was so poignant and because the players were so heartfelt about everything that was going on and because it was just such a vulnerable moment for them to talk about, it's pulling them in two different directions. And you're right, they can't escape it. And their family's not there to give them a brief reprieve into some sense of normalcy because nothing that's going on is normal right now. Um, and I, I obviously, as a white woman, it, I don't have the same experiences as the black men and women that these players are seeking social justice for, but it's, draining to have conversations with naysayers and it's frustrating to have to defend your position with people who don't want to understand and are willfully ignorant about everything that's going on not only in the united states but also up here in canada as well so how are you feeling with all of this because i can't imagine um what it's been like to have to kind of speak for an entire group of people you know as a black male in media I feel like that burden is something that a lot of people really can't understand or comprehend. 
Yeah, um, I, I I did my best this week to not take every single uh, radio request that I was asked to to try and be a part of um, mm-hmm. because a lot of it was uh, I just wasn't really talk. Um, I probably took out of the in the three days out of the twenty that I got, I probably took three. Um, okay. And out of those three are people that I was that I'm comfortable with, uh, people that. Uh, have reached out, you know, for other things in the past, not just when it comes to social issues. So a lot of the stuff was just like weeding out. All right, oh, you're reaching out to me because you know I'm a black man and you know I'm uh, an NBA journalist. So this is what it is. Um, check, which, check. You know, that's let me uh, let me not have the conversation there. And and I just quite frankly was just tired of talking about it. To be honest with you, um, not in, not because I don't want to hear the conversation anymore, but because it is emotionally draining. To, yep. to just have it all the time. But in saying that, um, you know, there are, there are days where just like everybody else, you, you feel motivated and there are days where you're unmotivated. Um, so at a day like Friday, when we found out that the league would come back on a Saturday, um, I was motivated again because I've thought to myself, if they could go out and play in a playoff game with everything that's going on to entertain the masses, of course, mm-hmm. I can just set aside 15 minutes to have a conversation. They're playing in a you know, three-hour basketball game. Plus, they have to answer questions afterwards. Plus, they have to worry about what's happening at home. Plus, they have to worry about their own safety, everything else. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, and, and making sure that they say the right things. Like, I think that people, yes. like, talking, talking is easy. Um, talking is easy. We, we do this podcast. We, we have fun here. We don't, we're not censored. We can say whatever we want. But when you're talking, and that's just talking about sports, no one, no one's going to get hurt if you tell, if you say that, you know, Kyle Lowry had a bad game, he, he stunk it up. No one gets hurt. No one gets affected by that. But when you're talking about real life issues, one word could really change the message that you're trying to get across. And to be on all the time um, when the world's watching, as you said, is tough and draining. So I watched that team today, and that's what I thought of. I didn't think that they were missing jump shots. Yeah, And I know that we spent the first part of that talking about that. And I didn't think too much about, you know, the missed assignments defensively and the way they were getting blown out. The, the first thing that came to my mind, the way they started the first five minutes of the game actually was this team's just not all the way there today. Like they're playing, but they're not, they're not there. And I, I got, I got it and I felt it. And to be mm-hmm. honest with you, um, don't blame him at all. And I could see a scenario now where, they might lose a series because of it. And I don't think that the average Raptor fan will be able to understand what that means to this team. Um, I'm sure the Raptors right. nation for the most part will get up and support this team because we haven't seen them knocked out of the playoffs now for almost two years. Mm-hmm. We haven't seen it happen. Um, they've been, they were standing at the end of the podium last year and we're now a year and a half or a year later. Um, and they're going to be still in the playoffs for another week at least. So it's been a while since we've seen the Raptors get eliminated. So I think they'll, they'll be supported that way. But I just hope that people really understand how tough it is for them to go through this um, with everything else that's happening in the world. Yeah, I think that there's a lot of really great things that you, you just said. And I, I want to touch on a few of them. First of all, to the point where you're not sure what to say and you really want to make sure that the words that you're using are correct. It's really a reminder of the weight that words have. Mm-hmm. The weight that language does carry, 
and to pick and choose your words wisely just on a human level on a daily basis because sometimes it can sting and when it comes to talking about social justice reform and the way that certain communities and people are marginalized um at least i often feel like i'm not saying enough ever mm -hmm. but then don't want to say too much also because you don't want to feel like the rhetoric that you're using is something that's you know rehearsed or something that everyone has heard before and the people that you really want to get through to are tired of hearing the same message over and over again even though it is so vital um i'm actually curious though as to if you have an inner dialogue when you get requests from the radio stations that you mentioned who never have you on as a guest mm -hmm. but now that they're looking for someone black to talk about black issues they're like oh my god carlin what's up um because i have experienced being on the other side of that right when i was on a radio show and an issue like this would come up and they're like okay which guest can we get on and it's just like all these black guys that you never had interest in talking to before like i don't know if people understand how transparent that is and actually how problematic it is. But is there a part of you too who's like, all right, so these guys never usually talk to me, but maybe this is an opportunity um, because maybe these guys do need to hear it more than someone else who uses me as a guest just for issues or basketball chat as opposed to specifically black issues. Mm. I, I, I think I, I, I kind of, because like you, I did radio before and I understood uh, you know, I understand getting someone that you perceive as an expert and in sure. the, for lack of a better term in this, in this, in whatever topic you're speaking of. So mm -hmm. when it was just sports stuff, if we were having a hockey conversation, we're going to go out and get someone that knows hockey. If we were having a conversation about the NFL, we're going to get out and go and get someone that's speaking about the NFL. And mm -hmm. it always hit me in those times, whenever we were talking about the NFL specifically, uh, at the time, because it was early, uh, I believe no, it was, it was even way before Ray Rice, but it was early in the uh, NFL's you know nonchalant way of the way that they dealt with off-field issues, specifically domestic violence or anything against women. And me and and myself and someone else who was generally a guy, because that's just the way it was at the time, mm -hmm. trying to have conversation about hey, uh, <laughs> women's what, issues. <laughs> yeah, what, you know, going back and forth between that. So I get that. I get that side of it. You want to make sure that you. Uh, at least reach out to someone in, in that, not in that community, but you, you would at least want to reach out to a different perspective. Uh, it doesn't yeah. always have to be a, a black male. It doesn't always have to be a, it could be, a, you know, someone that is another minority. It doesn't have to be a black person. So I get that. Okay. Um, but now that, uh, you know, I never got into this business to have these conversations. I just wanted to talk sports. Right. But now that I'm here and over the last, I'd say, month and a half, I think I've taken it more upon myself to use my platform as little as, as it is to have the conversation and speak on behalf of my community. Because we're not, even in Canada, we're not, we're not at the place here yet where we can champion ourselves and say we're, we're doing it better than anyone else because we're not. There's, mm -hmm. there's a lot of conversations that are being had that leave people like myself out of it. And, then, and there's a lot of conversations that are being had that leave people like myself to have it on their own. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, Kayla, as you brought up, is a perfect example. Donovan Bennett as well yep. over at SportsCenter. Akil Augustine. Akil Augustine is doing an uh, a incredible job of doing, using their platform, um, sure. you know, to have those conversations. But they're the ones, it's not even a conversation. It's them making statements. It's a and, monologue. Yeah, and, and that's it. And mm -hmm. I think 
I listen to them, watch them, read them, and then I can't leave my friends out there. And they're friends to me. You know, Don, yeah. Donovan, actually, I don't know at all. Um, I've seen him a couple of times. I said, what up to him? But Akil and, and Kayla, I consider friends. Um, mm-hmm. So I can't leave them out there. And, um, you know, to, to everyone that says that, um, you know, we don't have the issue in Canada. I wish I could share the emails that I get, um, you know, when, whenever there is any sort of social issue that pop up. Right. Um, I wish I could share some of those emails I got. Today, I sent you one. It was a funny one. We, uh, you, you, you didn't realize that I got some of those emails. Yeah. Uh, we laughed about it, but there are a ton. And uh, a lot of them, especially over the last three days, are uh, go the other way. You know, I'll never mm-hmm. watch again. You know, this, the same stuff that you see on Twitter. Oh, it's so infuriating. The shut up and dribble community. Yes. And or I, the, uh, or the apples to apples community. Well, it's like, well, what about this? Right. Thing? You care so much about this. Well, what about this? And it's like, no one's saying that exhibit A makes exhibit B any less terrifying, traumatizing, or despicable. Right. But literally, we're just talking about Black Lives Matter right now. And I don't understand why you need to interject and say, well, what about this victim of a crime committed by a Black person? Right. And you're like, yeah, okay. We understand that there's horrible people from every walk of life, regardless, rich, poor, white, black, like it doesn't matter. But right now we're talking about this systemic problem, black people being terrorized and brutalized by the police, specifically being marginalized, the society as a whole, making it very difficult for the black community to bring themselves out of poverty. Right. All of these things meant to hold a specific group down. This is what we're talking about. So stop asking me what ice cream flavor I want, because that's not the conversation we're having right now. And that's how ridiculous it sounds when someone interacts with a topic of something else. Stick to the conversation right now. We can have your conversation later because there are a lot of different issues that are going on in the world right now. But this is what we're talking about. So I just don't understand how uh, people can't like get that or fathom it i just don't think they want to know um but that's part of the problem as well obviously it is it is and again like for for everyone out there that uh you know understands and and and, um gets the conversation we're we're preaching to the choir here but there are a lot of people that you know we deal with in a basketball community i'm talking specifically basketball that make the comments that this doesn't exist in canada uh or it's not a big issue Believe me, some of the emails I get, you'd uh, you would be shocked to uh, and, and embarrassed to be a part of the country, really. Um, and a lot of people don't know they're involved in it too. Yeah, they're like, "Well, I'm not racist. What are you talking about?" It's like, "Okay, yeah. let's take stock for a second. How many times have you heard a black colleague or friend complain about something, and they're just in their complaint, and you say to someone else, oh, they're always playing the black card.' Mm-hmm. Yeah, guess what? You're part of the problem too." And a lot of people don't understand that um, racism is not necessarily overt. It's not necessarily using a slur towards somebody. It's not necessarily, you know, drawing um, some, like 
racism is not necessarily drawing a swastika on the driveway of a Jewish person that you don't like, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not always overt like that. So I just think that a lot of people would do really well to look at themselves and, you know, take that stock and take that inventory. Um, interesting though, kind of in the bubble, if we go back to what happened with the Bucks and, and then walking out and George Hill saying that he was kind of the one who instigated that saying, listen, I don't think we should play. And his team followed suit and they got on the phone with the attorney general and then the magic, they walked off the court, they didn't play. And then of course, all of the games later on got postponed. The players have this meeting. And there are so many insiders who have all this information all of a sudden. Sources tell me, sources tell me, the officials have now entered the group chat. LeBron James has left. The LA team decided <laughs> they're not playing anymore. And then there's an article where LeBron James is like, yeah, I just didn't understand like why they didn't have a plan, but then I got a plan and like, we're good now. And I feel like it's kind of insane that we're at a stage where we're trying to find someone to take ownership of this, where it's like, it can just be a collective. It can just be a sequence of events that worked into this beautiful storm where the league showed solidarity with each other, no matter the team. And they all kind of acted in unity, even if they had little things that they disagreed about. Why are we trying to assign like King James as this, this, eternal leader who's like oh i talked to obama and everything's fixed now right like, yeah I, I didn't like i, I didn't really I, never, I don't get that portion of it why does it have it. to be one person that's the joy about the black lives matter movement that is the people for each other it's everyone involved all together working as one um there is no northern star if you right. will um and and i felt like that was a little bit interesting that i think it was an article in the athletic that it kind of like addressed james as as like the Jesus with all his disciples. And mm. as I understand it, that's not necessarily how things went down. Right. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's definitely collective and it should be. Um, but not only you bring that up, it shouldn't just be a collective for the players. You said the league and that's, you're absolutely yeah. right about that. It should be everyone involved in the league from the front office to the owners, to the players, um, to everyone that is getting a paycheck um, from, from the NBA. Like we're all in this together. So uh, it should move accordingly. And that also brings me to the other sports the other four major sports, um, mm-hmm. you know, I've seen some MLB, most of their teams and players sort of, sort of were on board, which is, you know, great to see. Um, the NHL were lagging behind uh, in, in, uh, in coming to the table reluctantly, but they eventually came. So you have to give them credit better late than never. Um, yes. We now have to see what happens going forward. Um, mm-hmm. So the NFL hasn't isn't playing yet, so we don't know what they would have done or what they could have done, or they um, can still do what they can still do. But we're two weeks away from kickoff there, so we'll we'll yeah. see that. I don't want to go too far away from from the basketball Oops, conversation, uh, and and I just want to say before we uh, before we run out of time here, um, yes, we're talking about Black Lives Matter and uh, the issues at hand here, but rest assured, uh, whether Ashley is here or not, and hopefully she's here for a lot longer than I uh, had her on, but she's uh, helped us increase our, our female audience over the last hey, week and a half. <laughs> um, so, so, yeah, ladies, what up? Um, but there are issues okay, in, in, the, in, the sport, in the sports <laughs> world as well that, uh, you know, uh, that impact the females, uh, female audience and, you know, females that do watch it and they have to go through it. Uh, and those are conversations that I would like to have at some point. Um, when they do come up and we did, we've had, we had one already, um, with, with Adrian Griffin, um, way back when, whether or not people wanted to listen to it up to them, it's in the archives now. Um, but that's, uh, 
that's what we plan to do on this uh, on this platform. And hopefully, Ash is, is around to make me feel a little bit smarter. <laughs> um, one thing, I, one thing I will say though, and I know you said you don't want to get too far away from that the NBA, but just as in as it um, has to do with the NHL and the quote unquote late to the party, like listen, they definitely dropped the ball, mm -hmm. um, but they eventually got there. And and here's the thing: as we strive towards change as a society, whether it's Black Lives Matter, whether it's women's rights, whether it's trans rights, well, whether it's the LGBTQ community as a whole, whether it's ageism, whether it's Aboriginal and Indigenous rights. Um, um, you cannot be too hard on people who didn't get there at the same time as you did. Because at the end of the day, we're going to need everyone to be pulling in the same direction. So do we wish you could have a conversation and someone, the light bulb would go on and they'd be like, oh yeah, bet, like I'm here with you. Of course. But if it takes someone a little bit more time because they didn't necessarily see it or experience it for them themselves, so they couldn't feel it in the same way that you could. Um, try not to hold that against them for too long. Obviously hold people accountable for the things that they've done and the things that they've said, of course. But at the end of the day, if someone gets to where you're trying to get them to, um, let's just count that as a victory and then move along all together going forward. Because if not, things are gonna stay fragmented, they're gonna stay divided, and that's not gonna get anything accomplished. I agree, I absolutely agree. Let's, uh, let's move along together. All right, we have a game too that's coming up. Um, <laughs> I'm scared. I'm scared of a game two now. Oh a game two coming up on Tuesday, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes, Tuesday. It's going to be yes. on Sportsnet. I'm making that up. I don't know for a fact, but the last game was on TSN, so I'm assuming the next one will be on Sportsnet. That means yeah, Matt. That fine. means Leo. That means Sturm. That means uh, what's the other guy's name? The host. Sportsnet. Eric. Yeah. No, Danielle. No, Eric's my guy. Danielle, I know uh he's in he's in the studio with with sherm why am i blanking on his name oh brad fay brad fay good hey brad good, goodness hey, yeah brad friend fay. of the show sorry sorry brad uh friends of ashley's <laughs> uh yeah uh sportsnet will have the game um and they leo will have an opportunity to talk about this leo obviously we it circulated he uh he stood up and used his platform um you know to give a message uh, i'm sure he'll he'll do it throughout the broadcast but they still need to find a way to play basketball. Um, yes. I, I, I've seen some of the, while we're talking, I've seen some of the quotes that have come out um, on both sides that uh, from the players saying how tough it was to, mm -hmm. to play, but if they're going to put the jersey on, they got to give it their all. So what sort of basketball adjustments can this team make to get back into the series and tie this up at one? Okay, so I think I kind of mentioned it before. You really, really have to, um, take advantage of the Kemba Walker matchup. You have to. And if you it's talk gonna about, be, wait, time out. you talk as as if Kemba Walker is like the El Matador of defense. Like uh, I don't think that he is, but I think it's interesting that they put him on Fred Van Vliet instead of Kyle Lowry. Uh, and so if I'm Kyle Lowry, like when I was playing, if someone was not defending me, in my mind, it means I think that they can't handle it. Okay. Or the coach thinks that they can't handle it. Okay. So, as a result guess who I'm going to go after every single chance that I get? That person. Because he only has two choices of who he can guard, really and truly. Second, I think that I would have loved to see a little bit of Chris Boucher in this game. Oh, man. When things were – your guy. When things it's were – It's my guy. When it, when it was a blowout. Like, you want to go to a two-big lineup, 
So why don't you put someone that's a little bit more agile than Mark Gasol, put Serge Ibaka, who if he could get points for every time he screamed when he put a shot up, he'd be the leading scorer of the entire league. Um, and Chris Boucher together. That's what I would like to see a little bit more. Additionally, I think some of the small guys need to be rebounding a little bit more active on the boards when there is only one big in the paint, especially if they're going to be doing a pick and pop situation and having a Marcus Gasol or a Serge Ibaka coming out of the paint to be able to shoot the three, which we saw a lot of today. Someone else needs to get in there. Someone else needs to rebound. And Pascal Siakam, I don't care what you do. I really don't care. But you need to do it definitively. You need to have a plan and stop acting like it's a surprise that you get the ball. Yeah. <laughs> really and truly, you need to expect the double. Know in your head where you're going to go ahead of time. And then just, just, just do it. Whether it's the best thing or not, you need to just do it. Because I thought there was a lot of hesitation on his part today. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not going to crush Pascal too, too much. Because I think the entire team was at fault of here. Course. They just didn't bring it. And you know me, I love to get oh, on Oh, sure. Him. So I'll uh, just next time say that when you ask me adjustments. I'll just be like, the team just needs to bring it some more. Because <laughs> <laughs> apparently I'm crushing someone. I feel <laughs> like, yeah, I am, I'm sitting saying, on the hey, fence today. What am I doing? Do. <laughs> I should be, I should be. This is a, this is a poor effort out of a podcast for me. I, I, I brought the, I, brought, I didn't bring it today. Uh, but, you know, Pascal, I, I'm not going to crush him too much. Because I, I, I do understand that he, he hasn't, he just doesn't have the confidence in his shot. And he's trying to find it. And I get sure. that. He's going to find it eventually, hopefully it's during the series and not in the offseason when he's working out <laughs> with Rico Hines. Okay, so that is the, the number one thing for the Raptors over the next Right, and to be to fair, to your point, there isn't a Kawhi Leonard to take a lot of the attention and make things easier for everybody. Yeah. Pascal and, and everybody else. Pascal a all. Because now defenses, especially an active defense like Boston, can kind of split their attentions. Right, because yeah. there's guys that are good, but there's no guys that are Kawhi good. Right, and and this is a Boston team that's playing without Gordon Hayward as well. And I thought Which that that be would have been an issue, and it wasn't. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what's scary about this Boston series. The bench, to me, um, if I'm going to you know point a finger at someone, while Serge was good, the bench to me is going to have to come in and and give you that effort that the Raptors were sorely needing today. Yes, they came in, they had, you know, they had good energy and they may have won in bench points. Uh, but that doesn't matter if you're just trading buckets for bucket. And, you know, right. the, the reason why I know a lot of people probably picked the Raptors to win the series was because they're a deeper team. You know, you get uh, Serge yeah. off the bench. He's a starter on most teams. You get Norm off the bench. He's a starter on most teams. Uh, and then you have, you know, Terrence Davis, who had a great rookie season. And then you, you could go as deep as you mentioned. Chris Boucher can give you some minutes and some energy. And Ron Dallas Jefferson, right. who we didn't see today, he can do the same. You mean, Matt, you mean Thomas? Matt Thomas as well. <laughs> I won't hear that. I didn't say Stanley Johnson. I said Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Listen, so Stanley found his confidence in the bubble, and it is a That's, disservice to him and everything that he's worked for that he did not get minutes in this game. This isn't the OVO, uh, you know, bounce tournament, all right? This is the this NBA the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, all right. Like, Stanley Johnson's great there. This is the, this is the Listen, NBA playoffs. But here's the thing. I know you're calling for more from these guys, but I feel as though <sighs> – Obviously, there was something missing from their game, but Boston made good shots. They made yeah, good they plays. They hit a lot of shots. They, they gave their guys the ball in positions that allowed them to be successful, right? They found the right guy on the pass. Um, and so I think a lot of it, especially on the defensive end, it's like, okay, maybe you can fight a little bit more on screen so you're not switching immediately, especially if there's like a big that you're switching with. But like it, it was just a Boston game, especially mm -hmm. in the first. Like they came out early and they came out on fire. Yeah, but to me, to me, it was the energy. 
Like yeah. if you, if the Raptors were, were getting those 50, 50 balls um, you know, if they were, if they're playing that tight defense that we know them to play, then I would feel okay. And, and they sure. started the game playing that way on the defensive end and played that through spurts of the game, but not enough for you to think that they would have had an opportunity to come back into the game. And Boston just made tough shots. You can't, can't knock that. They, they shot the ball really well. They played excellent defense, yeah. but there was times in the game, like Marcus Smart is, is boxing out Serge Ibaka and Serge Ibaka is going over, over the back on him and, you know, fouling him. And then we're going to free throws the other end. Like that yeah. stuff can't happen. You're Serge Ibaka. No, you're right. As you said, they put two bigs in and then all of a sudden they, they're all standing on the three point line. <laughs> like if you're going to put two bigs in, go body someone down low. Especially in a, against a small lineup. Yeah. Like hello. So, and even the bigs that Boston have, they don't have the experience that Mark and Serge do. So you should have the intellectual advantage as well to be able to be like, Hey, I know what he's probably going to try and make me do. Here's my counter. And if he gets that, here's my counter to my counter. Cause I have that experience right. um, against the young team, but you're right. Like, how are you going to solve, how are you going to solve a Jason Tatum baseline one legged fade away as he falls at the buzzer make? Yeah. Tough. Like the, <laughs> tough. the, the, the Raptors didn't draw a single charge. When have you watched a game where they're playing good basketball mm-hmm. and did not draw a single charge? No, a uh, they got one loose ball, one loose ball, the entire game. When have you watched them play a game? Allegedly. Where, allegedly. You know, sometimes unre- score tables don't get it right. Hey, I'm going by NBA stats. They, <laughs> play my, they, 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 uh, <laughs> they run the check. So I'm going to go with that. Uh, one loose ball. Like when have you ever seen a game where they were out hustled, out worked? And we did see a game like this. That was yeah. against this same Celtic team in the bubble. Ding, ding, ding. They just did not have it that night. And now we know. Um, you know, there was a switch all season long that the Raptors would like to flip whenever they wanted to come back into a game. You said famously on this podcast, you weren't worried whether the Raptors were down in games because you felt like they could come back against anyone. Sure. Well, guess what? That's going to be challenged a series. They yeah. may not be able to come back against the Celtics if they don't bring it from the opening tip. Well, I think that there's an opportunity too, though, for them to go like a make miss situation on the defensive end. We know Nick Nurse loves to mix it up, loves to change it up. And the Raptors had a, they had a really good effort and they had success running the zone with the two bigs at the bottom of it to really slow the Celtics down um, and force them to take outside shots and not give them a lot of opportunity to drive and dish, draw the defense and dish because the defense is always there. So I would imagine we'd see a little bit more of that, even if it's just like on a make, we play man, we pick up right away on a miss, we drop back into the zone, something just to give different looks every once in a while. Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not worried about Nick Nurse in terms of making adjustments. I don't think that needs to be, Done no, no, yet? no, because he's going to call me. I'm going to give him my tips and then. He, yeah, he, well, he listens to this podcast. He'll be fine that way. He listens to this podcast. He subscribes. <laughs> and, and, and I sent him the us. link. He did, yeah, he, yeah he, he already knows. Um, but <laughs> the, yeah, the, the biggest adjustment for me is just effort. Show, okay. show that uh, you're going to match the intensity that the Celtics came out with. That may be tough after all, you know, after all yeah. we talked about it. Um, it's going to take a lot of mental fortitude. If they and it's going to take a lot of mental there. fortitude for everybody. Both it, teams, it just, every player, every coach. Yeah. And it's just something that you've got to overcome. It really is. Going to be tough. Uh, this is a good team. like the Celtics a lot. Uh, I actually have them going to the NBA Finals. Sorry. I'm upset. Sorry. That's fine. Um, as long as it's not the Bucs. So, no, yeah, I don't. I have, the Bucs are out this round. They're, the Heat? Heat, yeah. heat and six. It's going to be a good series. Heat and six. Um, okay. You can follow Ash on Please Twitter. Please do. At SmartAsh. S-M-R-T-A-S-H. And on Instagram at Ashley 
docking and you can make and sure at only fans at no i'm just joking <laughs> i was gonna say well well you can make sure to send her a dm uh she loves those however random is always the best way that is national sports broadcaster brilliant brilliant mind toronto based of course ashley docking i am carlin gay you can find me on nba.com where we will have complete coverage of the toronto raptor playoff run and every single playoff series in the nba um follow us rate us review us tell your friends about this podcast and uh if you enjoyed the conversation let us know we will be back after game numero deux until then enjoy your day weekend slash whatever whatever time you listen to this <laughs> see ya <laughs> that extra was a lot thank you <laughs>